Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. Well, all right. It's the good stuff. Yeah. Once again. Season three. Of the Laugh Podcast. It's been a long time. We get better with age. You were about to put a boom in there, weren't you? I'm saving it. You are. I want it to mean something when I do it. Yeah, I thought you'd come up with a new or more original catchphrase this year. No, no, but I am so excited to be here. I got my hair cut just for the podcast. I noticed that. I'm sure the listeners or listeners will appreciate it. I noticed that that your your haircut there looks nice. Thank you. I had to sit in the chair for 45 minutes. What? The girl took forever. What? Did she do it one hair at a time? Felt How's like that even it. possible? Well, in the worst... 45 minutes. The worst is when they keep going back and just, you know, making the slight changes. You don't have little bits of hair around yeah. your neck. Yeah. You have hair dust. Ugh. And it just gets everywhere and it's... And it gets it's, into the pores. Oh, it's so itchy. It's much worse than if they can just make the one pass, get it the way you want it, move on. So... This is a better haircut than haircuts you've had in the past. It's a good haircut. I like it. Um, is it worth 45 minutes? No. So a worse haircut would have been in... in where's the sweet spot? Where does it... 15-minute haircut. 15-minute haircut, but then it, it, it turns out being kind of crappy, but it could be slightly less crappy in five minutes. There's got to be a sweet spot somewhere. I'm putting it at seven minutes. Seven? No, I think that's a little too quick. I don't know. But the worst part, you sit there 45 minutes. You just want to go home. I had stuff I had to do. And the girl goes and she opens up. It looks like an autoclave where they put surgical <laughs> right, instruments. Right. And she pulls out this hot, damp towel. And there was only one in there because I looked when she put it back in there. Ooh. And she wiped down the back of my neck Ooh. and like around... The hairline, and I thought, oh, festering. It's three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon. This hot, the last damp, one, yeah, has been wiped across so many people. Oh, it's been in this, ooh, just in the. Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty hot, but it didn't feel like it was hot enough to kill the bacteria. No, of course not. And so I'm just going, uh, 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 <laughs> don't involuntary <laughs> shake. You got a little uh, Howard Hughes syndrome going on too, so it's really? probably ten times worse for you. Yeah. Than for just a normal. Yeah, you see guys at the gym towel off their face and hand that <laughs> oh, damn God. towel to their yeah. buddy. You probably couldn't do that. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't blame you though. That's disgusting. Never had that done. Huh. Oof. Where the where was this? Supercuts. I go to supercuts, or as I call it now, cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Super sucky cuts. It's a good haircut, though. It's but a good you haircut. pay a price. I too much. I, half hour more than probably twenty five minutes more than I'd be willing to spend. <laughs> I saw you looking at my bald spot up here. Like you're like, yeah, five minutes for you. It's I could fifteen see. for me. You're saying seven. <laughs> seven is a push. Or, I don't know. So I used to ask my dad when he would get haircuts. Do they give you a discount <laughs> after it's done? <laughs> You don't uh, have to pay full price, do you, Dad? Yeah. I'd go and get my hair cut by students if I could. I had a student taught at a place that had a, a hair cuttery and a, it had a 
uh, you could get your car worked on there. It had a mm-hmm. whole vocational wing. I'd love that, man. You would let a kid cut your hair? Sure, I don't care. What? It, <laughs> look at the little bit of hair that I have left. If you can get it done in two minutes, I'd even give you a tip. I think, oh, you normally don't tip? No, I always tip. It's 15 bucks. I always give them a 20. Oh, wow. That's a pretty You're good a tip. tipper. Yeah. yeah. I normally do two to three dollars. I don't like getting the two dollars back. I don't like the loot. Well, the this one thing's all about supercuts. Now you can just use the credit card. Well, G, G, you couldn't use credit cards before. But but you do the credit card and you can add in the tip in the machine. So it just, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that technology has existed for quite some time. I like that. Well, but that's fine. You have your methods. I have mine. But either way, we're getting no change back. <laughs> yeah, generally with the barber, I have done the twenty, especially the barber shop back home. I like Cornella. She's my she's my hairdresser, Cornella. <laughs> yeah, nice. I spent before school started. I spent three hours there waiting on her. Wow. Yeah, I was in the seat for seven minutes, but I was in the uh, waiting area for three hours. I left and came back, but that's impressive. Yeah, yeah it's lame. You left and saw a movie. No, what did I do? I, went, I don't know. I went back and forth. I went around. Oh, you're trying to lead into something. Well, the seamless segue. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's the Haircut Podcast. <laughs> Brand new format here. <laughs> the MHS. Uh, well, we have actually no literature and film class around which to center this. So. But that will not stop us. That won't. Yes, we will not be deterred. <laughs> uh, we're actually putting this out there for all our wonderful listeners. Diehards, or diehard. I'm intrigued by this idea that one of uh, one of our listeners thinks that we don't like each other, <laughs> based on solely on listening to the podcast. I'd like to I'd like to explore that. I, I will ask him the next time I talk to him. <laughs> All right. I, I don't I don't want to disavow him of that notion for any reason. He's he's surprised oh, he's by the hard time we can give each other. Uh. And yeah, I, I wish that you we should hear the stuff that doesn't get recorded. <laughs> I wish that we disagreed more. <laughs> I, I'd have to, I'd have to really work it up to disagree more on uh, some of these movies that we're going to talk about. This is our, how do we put it, summer review mm-hmm. podcast. Like, what are we we're going to talk about three movies each, I think. Uh, maybe more, maybe a little less that have to do, well, probably not less than three each. But movies that have come out in theaters over the summer, and we're being real rough with our summer, anywhere right. from, what, May-ish up until this podcast. Right, well, two of these I saw in, in demand, so... Well, you, some of these, they were out, but we couldn't see them for a while, so... But these are all films that we enjoy for a variety of reasons. Right. I, I don't know. How did you rank yours? Like, are you going to go in order of fit from worst to first? Because these are all decent films, if, if we're limiting it. I think all mine are decent films. Yeah, no, I, I'd recommend all of mine. It, it's just really hard to group them because they're all really different from each other. Well, what I did over the summer was, and I've been keeping track of this, I guess we started in January, because Inside Lewin Davis was the first movie that I listed, mm-hmm. and I think we saw that something like January 1st or 2nd, yeah. I don't know. 
and I listed all I've listed all the films that I've watched, pretty much regardless of the their year. Like I think I have movies from the seventies on there, and I, I haven't kept up with it as much in the summer as I wanted to. But now it's I've also given them a score from one to ten, and I can rank them easily. And since it's Excel, I could code it according to when I saw them, and then I I just limited my movies between June and August and all of the movies that I have here were ranked nines, which is actually, I only have two tens for the whole year. And I can't remember what they were. I know inside Lewin Davis is one of them. Maybe grand Budapest was the other one, but these are all nines. So, okay. And I, I just have them from when I saw them in June, I saw one of them in June, one of them in July and one of them in August. All right, I'm not sure what your list is. I, I would have a guess, though, at what one of your tens was. You just looked at my list. Well, now I'm... Just because the list... Well, that only gives me Oh, two one of my tens? Yeah. Well, okay, go ahead. I think it uh, has to do with the color. Blue Ruins. That, did you have No, I think that might be a nine. No, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I have one other ten. I, I'll have to look. No, it's, I mean, I've been keeping track of a list, too. Um, How many films do you have on there? Uh, as of today, I've got 117 films Jimmy I've watched for the, for, for the first time this year. There are about four or five other movies I've rewatched. Holy crap, man. That and all the TV you watch? Yeah. What yeah, do you a lot. eat? <laughs> I only I, have like 65. Really? I have half of that. I, I've watched a lot of TV. I've watched a lot of movies. I haven't done much with sports this year. I've probably watched the least amount of sports that I've watched in the last 10 years. What? Because what I used to watch have? a lot of MMA. Like, I'd watch at least one event a week, probably. Some weekends it was two plus even if probably it kickboxing. Even if, it, even if they weren't anything worthwhile? Even if they weren't, like, championship bouts? Yeah, anything. smaller promotions, uh, international stuff, like Dream, which is over in Japan. Huh. I'd watch international kickboxing, K1, or... Hmm. Um, do you miss it? Glory. Do you think it misses you? Do you have to have When you get real counseling? excited about watching the 135 women's kickboxing match, you know, live from Vegas, and you realize there's probably three other people in the state who watch this too. Wow. It, I think that's one of the reasons why my enthusiasm's dropped, just because I don't have anyone to talk to about it. Do you think you're going to get to 200? 200? No, I'm hoping to get to 160. Wow. You set some high goals for yourself. At the beginning of the year, I wanted to hit 120. I wanted to average 10 movies a month. You only got three more movies to go? Yeah. And then over the summer, I thought, yeah, I, I can probably easily hit 150. The trick will be hitting 160. This is quite the goal to set. I was really disappointed by my uh, movie watching last year. I think I watched like 80-some-odd movies. I was very disappointed <laughs> Yeah, I realize how stupid this sounds. <laughs> I was disappointed in myself for not watching more. So that was spending more time watching. Uh, I think when we were talking about award-winning films from 2013, and I realized how few films I had watched that were any good. I'm surprised at how many movies I've seen that I kind of like. Yeah. I think that's because, like, Scott, or uh, Mr. Lasky... Uh, pointed out that I'm, I'm more discriminating now with what I go to see. I have something to do with my disposable income or lack thereof. But I like I like I like my movies. Liked a lot. I mean I, that I've gotten caught up on all the 
pictures that were nominated for best picture last year. I of saw all, all of them. No, just for 2013 Oscars. I watched oh, 2014. Yeah, see, but I have no interest in seeing some of those. And I, some I of them were pretty good. Philomena yeah. was a lot better than I thought. Yeah, I mean. Did you ever? No. I, no. Huh? I mean, I'm not saying that it's not worthwhile. I'm just like. I mean, some of it I had I'd to slog watch through. I thought it was done. Yeah, I thought it was done after Dallas Buyers Club. I was I like, like, yeah, I watched I like all of them, that. and I looked at the list and went, oh, you forgot Captain Phillips. Oof. But at that point... Oh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, it's one... I was like, all right, let's get her done. It's like, if you run... I don't know if you've ever run long distances without someone chasing you, but at the end, you kind of want to... You want to sprint as hard as you can. You know, If you know it's coming to the end, you just like... Yeah, I would do that. So you watched it in fast, fast forward, <laughs> fast motion... Some of it was rough, but uh, no, I'm, I'm excited about what we saw this week. Do you want or this summer? You want to kick it off? No, you go ahead. All right, I'll kick it off. Uh, this movie actually did kick off summer for both of us. We saw it on the last day of school together. We actually went to Paragon for the first time. Ah, yes. You gotta love the memory for where I see movies. Yeah, well, it is your superpower. And the movie is Edge of Tomorrow or as it will be available on DVD, known as Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. What? Or some packages, like what you can order off Amazon, they're calling it Edge of Tomorrow, colon, Live, Die, Repeat. Wait, why? Uh, apparently the title wasn't very good. The studio thinks that the title's the reason why the movie didn't do really well. I think it's because they changed it from the original title, um, in the original graphic novel, it was called All You Need Is Kill, <laughs> which is a great title. Right. Because all you need is funny. Well, in right. Edge of Tomorrow is such a generic science fiction movie name. I like it, though. You instantly know it's science fiction. You have no idea what the movie's going to be about. I like it. It's edgy. It's funny like you say edgy. It's kind of like Blade Runner. It's an iconic movie title, iconic science fiction movie the title means nothing about the movie. Well, I mean, I guess you... I mean... But putting out live, die, repeat as a high-concept concept, it minimizes the movie. They, that was apparently the tagline, and they decided to make it part of the title. Whatever, it won't make a difference. <laughs> Nobody's going to watch it. It's a great movie, though. I loved it. Uh, it's directed by Dud Lineman. Uh, previously, he had done Mr. and Mrs. Smith, The Born Identity, Jumper, so a lot of action movies. He also no, did... Sci-fi? I guess Jumper. Jumper. Yeah. Um, he'd also done the comedy Swingers. Really? I thought that was John Favreau. I thought that he self-directed He's listed that. as a director on it. I, I think I Favreau wrote the movie. Huh. And may have had... So he can do some comedy, and that was one of the things I found really surprising about the movie was how much humor was in it. It was it was funny. I mean, it was a good movie. It's just a good movie all around. And Tom Cruise wasn't in Tom Cruise mode for large chunks of the movie. He died more times in this movie than in the, all the rest of his career put together. Yeah, I was telling one of my classes. I was like, "This is you know, this movie was awesome. You should go see it." One of the kids said, "I don't like Tom Cruise." I said, "All the more reason to see it. Yeah, watch him die two hundred <laughs> times." Or, Right. Or I have no idea. I'm guessing at 200, which probably yeah, isn't off the mark. They didn't show it 200 times, but they talked about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in a way, it's I, I kind of appreciate the fact that no one saw it because 
once we resurrect literature and film at Metro High School, we'll be able to show it and talk about it because there's a whole lot of good stuff in it. Yeah, I, I just I think this is one of those films that that people will find later on. It will find its like legs. A million ways to die in the West. No. And I think a lot of this also has to do with the uh, writer of it, Christopher McQuarrie. No. Yeah, there you go. He, currently, he just wrote Mission Impossible 5, and he's directing that. Uh, the last movie he had directed was Jack Reacher, another Tom Cruise film based on the Jack Reacher novel series. And he hadn't done another, or he hadn't directed a movie for about 10 years when he did Way of the Gun. Ooh, I love that movie. He wrote and directed that. Benicio um, Del Toro and um, some other Ryan guy. Philippi? Yeah. Uh, he's also written The Usual Suspects wow. and Valkyrie, though he didn't direct those last two. So he's done a lot of movies that didn't do great in the box mm. office, but when people found them later on, they really enjoyed those. Probably the weakest of all those that I mentioned is Jack Reacher, which really isn't a bad movie. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the problems with the movie are... I think in the casting, I, I like, I mean, I know Jack Reacher as a character, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to see Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise in that role, and he's fine as an action hero, but I also didn't like, I, I don't think I liked the villain, and I didn't like the love interest at all. I, I can't remember who they were, or what their names are, I just remember disliking them, yeah. I, disliking the whole control. And a lot of that was tapped like on, and it was different Foreman from... Or something? There was like some strange director from the past that they brought yeah in max no they changed a lot of the villain work the plot was a lot more intricate in the novel Hmm. but you know still if it's one of those that you're flipping through the channels and you see on tnn give the movie a shot yeah And, and honestly if that's your worst movie that you've been associated with you're doing pretty well yeah it was really cool seeing it at the paragon yeah, so a lot of good stuff there. Edge of Tomorrow, strongly, strongly recommend it. Good um, movie. Yeah, great science fiction, and it's one of those you kind of just want to not know a whole lot going into it. That's why I like the title. Why you roll your eyes? You Nobody need to know enough that, to Mr. pick it, Mr. Lasky. <laughs> Nobody can see that though. You think that the title was the reason people didn't go see that movie? That's no, stupid. I, I don't You're think, stupid. I don't think the title helped, <laughs> and, and they so, made a lot of changes from. The graphic novel. That's not why people didn't go see it? Because they made changes from the graphic novel? Because they changed the name. If if the title of your movie is All You Need Is Kill, I think that gets teenagers' ears to perk up more. And then from the trailers (laughs) that they showed... I hadn't thought about it. I don't think they marketed what the movie was very well. Really? Yeah. They may have fell down in marketing. Titling... (laughs) I think titling, and then I do have problems with the ending. The ending in the graphic novel is better. Yeah, but nobody nobody knows that. The ten thousand people read the graphic novel. Yeah, apparently, it's pretty popular in Japan. Yeah, ten thousand people read it. I bet you this is a popular movie in Japan. Did it recoup? Yes, the movie's done incredibly well overseas. It's gotten over seventy five percent of its uh, box office from overseas, and it. Almost broke a hundred. Maybe it broke a hundred million here in the United States. I think it's just. I think Americans are stupid. I think that their their entertainment patterns have changed so much, and I think a good quality movie like that is just not going to resonate because it's not on Twitters and YouTubes. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, well, that's an interesting. But no, I, I thought, thing. wow, if this is the but way maybe. summer is starting, this is going to be a great summer for movies. And then you were sorely disappointed. I was. Yeah, the blockbuster movies, I don't have any of them on here. 
Well, there also weren't a whole lot this year. Um, two major blockbuster movies got delayed for this summer. What were they? Uh, Fast and Furious 7, which right, was supposed to come sense. out uh, a week but after. That wouldn't have made any difference in terms of my pleasure, but go ahead. But the It would have just felt like a bigger summer. I felt like there were weeks where there was nothing coming out. Yeah, that was delayed because of Paul Walker's death. Um, that was supposed to come out right around the 4th of July. And then the other one was Jupiter Ascending, the uh, Wachowski brother and sister movie. Which they don't think is going to... Which is going to move to like uh, late February, early March. And it might be moved completely gone off the off the map. They have to release it. There's too much money tied up. You can't not well, release it. money to release it, too. And then they yeah. find out unique ways to get it out there. I don't know. Did Atlas Shrug make back any of this movie? Not Atlas Shrug. Cloud Atlas. Did that make back? I don't think so. I don't so. think it recouped. Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged. The, the third out. one I'm, just no, came out. That, yeah, that's coming out. That's, that's a completely different movie. All right. Good one. So, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Let's see it. I just want to kill, repeat, die. All right, so this movie was the best movie that I saw in June. In the month of June, it came out in 2013, but I didn't see it until June. I think I saw it on direct TV. Um, what is that called? Yeah, what is that called when you put it on? Direct pay-per-view? Pay-per-view, yeah. Stars, uh, it's called, did I give the title? I don't think I gave the title. The Immigrant. Immigrant. It's about an immigrant. Played by? Played by Marion Cotillard. Her name is Iwa Cybulska. She's from an Eastern Bloc country. I probably, I think she's a Jewish, uh, Russian Jewish um, immigrant. Okay. And she meets, and she, it's uh, her and her sister uh, are immigrating to the United States in the 1880s. She meets up with uh, a devious, evil pimpish character who we're not sure of his true intentions until halfway through the movie when he begins to manipulate her and use her for a variety of uh, evil purposes. Played by Joaquin Phoenix. His, the character's name is Bruno Weiss or Weiss. Um, set in New York City. Again, during the immigrant boom. Uh, also starring Jeremy Renner as the brother of uh, Bruno, Orlando the Magician. Orlando the Magician. It's also Emil is his real name. It's written by uh, Rick Manello and uh, Darius Kanji. Mm-hmm. No, wait a minute. Not Kanji. <sighs> I didn't write down the director's name. That's a shame. <laughs> Rick Manello co-wrote it with the director and oh, James Gray. Okay. Yeah. yeah, James Gray is the one who wrote it. Uh, he has an interesting filmography because his first movie was 1994's Little Odessa. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't make another movie until the year 2000. Wow. It's, I don't understand how you can take such a break. And then 2007, set, or then seven years later, he wrote We Own the Night and directed it. And, uh, and also 2007 with Joaquin Yeah. So... Um, and they're all decent movies. I saw We Own the Night. I liked it. I didn't see Little Odessa. I've heard good things about it, though. I haven't seen either it's of those. Tim Roth movie. Um, and it's about, I think, Russian Jews living in New York City. <laughs> anyway, um, this is a really good movie because of its um, production values, which is something I'm, I'm into. Uh, they really capture the time period. They do some really interesting things with cinematography, and the acting is 
is stellar. I don't know when or if these people are eligible for Academy Awards. Seems like it's it came out of the weird time. And I don't know if they released it right before the award season last year. So that it would be a 2013. I, I don't know. But in terms of acting, this is some of the best I've seen, especially with Marion Cotillard and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. The Renner character is a little bit too uh, melodramatic, that whole storyline. And it gets a little bit ridiculous, but I'd like there's there's a whole lot of interesting things going on with like the filters and lighting, and I wouldn't be surprised if this weren't shot on film. I don't know if, I, if it is or not. I've seen the first half hour of it, and I was very impressed with, like you said, the production values, the, the wardrobes that these characters have. Yeah. A lot of time went into making these, and it does look period. The transportive value of a film that's a, mo- a modern film set you know, using modern techniques or whatever, you know, um, photography didn't really exist to a great extent in the late 1800s. I mean, you'd have to go to a special room somewhere and have it, have your picture done. But the idea that you can replicate the, that feeling and that uh, look. Well, a lot of the scenes just you know, have a lot of extras in them. Yeah. And they're all dressed up and you're just thinking, wow, that, there's a lot of money you could have shot this differently so we didn't have to see two dozen people. We could have seen eight or nine, and you could have made the scene feel big. No, but then... But, it, but they just, they choose... Uh, there's a scene very early on in the movie where Joaquin Phoenix is taking Marlon Cotard mm-hmm. to the house where they're going to stay, mm-hmm. or the apartment, and they're walking down this street in New York, and you just see the street is alive with people doing all sorts of stuff, and... There's a lot of money being spent on that scene. There's a lot of thought to planning out where are we going to put all right. this stuff. And it, like you said, it is very immersive. Just in terms of uh, craft services, you got to think of the budget for that. Okay. I, the reason I liked it most, I think, is because of Joaquin Phoenix's approach to the character and then what it examines in terms of our propensity for evil and forgiveness and penance and atonement and all that stuff, and it it sort of comes to gate. And why didn't you? Why did you stop watching? Just because it was boring? No, <laughs> slow and boring, tedious. I I ran out of time that evening. Just stuff started going. Did you busy. count that as one of your one seventeen? No, oh, no okay. that's that's going to be one eighteen. Do you do you get to like? I can't count until it's done. Really, you have to watch the credits. You have to see the credits roll. Yeah, I have to get to. I have to get to the credits. As soon as it says. So this weekend it'll it'll be one eighteen, probably tonight. Oh, you're gonna watch it off? Yeah, I'll finish it off. I I mean, I got half an hour into it this week. I just didn't have time to finish it. I don't know how you'll feel about it at the end. I don't know how most people would feel about it, but this is my list, and I love it. Yeah, I know. I mean, so far I've enjoyed what I've seen. I have trouble watching Joaquin Phoenix in the movie because he is so slimy and yeah, he's so evil. You, well, you want to yell at the screen and say, come on, see through this, get least, away from it. That's the melodrama that I don't like about the movie. The production values are what elevate it. And then later on, there's, an, there's a really interesting thing near the end of the movie that they do in terms of combining the shot... Or combining the visual aspect of filmmaking with the thematic 
concepts brought about in the film itself. Okay. Does that make sense? It just seems a little complicated. Hopefully when I watch the movie. Okay. You'll understand, yeah. I think. And, it, and it's all it's how the movie resolves itself, so I'm, it's yeah. a really interesting shot. So, The Immigrant, June, go see it. Boom. <laughs> so, timing. Right. Timing. Right. Timing. <laughs> uh, I guess my next movie that I would recommend and that I enjoyed watching was uh, a superhero movie this summer that probably no one saw but me. Hmm. Uh, and it's kind of a cheat because it didn't come out in theaters. It was direct to video. Well, wait a minute. So someone made a movie just for you? Just for me, I like to think. <laughs> As always, I march to the beat of my own drummer. And he's playing guitar. Hmm. Ah. Uh, yeah, my, uh, sorry. The, the movie is Batman Assault on Arkham, hmm. which is another direct to video DC yep. movie. And well, I've talked a, about these in the past. That was a video game. No, no, that's Assault on oh, Arkham. Okay. Asylum or something Wait, like that. Okay, that's what you just... Well, go ahead. This is Batman Assault on... Ar- just Arkham, not Arkham right. Asylum. Oh, okay. <laughs> Differences. Uh, this is directed by Jay Olivia, the the same guy who did uh, Justice League War, ju- uh-huh. uh, the Flashpoint Paradox, uh, which right. had made my top ten list before. Right. And what I really like about this is it introduced the Suicide Squad, which I hadn't known about before this movie came out. And apparently it's a bunch of B-level villains who get recruited by the government and are forced to fight for the government and go on these death missions. Thus, they are the Suicide Squad. They put uh, electric collars around their neck that will explode. That's how they force them to do it? Force them to do it. So it's people like Harley Quinn, the Joker's girlfriend, Deadshot, who's a minor Batman villain. Captain Boomerang. So they were all evil. Yeah, they're all they're all evil, and they don't get along with each other. And there's a lot of infighting. Boomerang. Captain Boomerang apparently fought the Flash, is what I've okay. found out. Wait, his weapon was the boomerang. Yes, he throws boomerangs, and mm-hmm. Harley Quinn has a great line about him. It made me laugh. Woke up my wife that night. Yeah. Anyone who throws boomerangs has some real issues letting go. <laughs> And I just, I thought that was funny and well-timed. Uh, Wait, were you watching this in bed? No, I was watching this at night downstairs in my laughter. And your For, wife was on the couch? No, she was upstairs and she heard me laughing and I woke her up and she wow. didn't like it. Uh, other characters I've never heard of before, <laughs> Killer Frost, KGBs, Mr. Ice, King Shark, and Black Spider. But they were like fun that. to watch. And, and they end up having to go into Arkham to recover some uh, MacGuffin. Batman shows up to try and stop them. It just it was an interesting story, and I got to see some characters that I'd never experienced before in the DC universe. And it gives me hope that DC has some great stories to tell when they start filming these Justice League movies. And you do already the have Batman. that, so. Yeah, but the, the more I see, the more I see that there's a lot of fertile ground that DC has in all of these Marvel fanboys, I think, are just getting it wrong. Both... Uh, Comic book companies have a lot of great material. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of good, creative people out there, so there's going to be good stuff. It's just the marketing and or the production of it and the, and the boneheaded um, decisions by the, I, I want to say administrators, but that's not right. Well, and I also think it has something to do with tone. Uh the Batman movies under Christopher Nolan were really serious and grounded in reality. 
at some point you have to let them go a little bit more kooky and zany. Marvel was very grounded in reality, even with stuff like Thor, where he's a seen Norse Thor, god. But there is a very big tonal difference between Captain America and the Avengers and Batman. But mm-hmm. Batman's tone's a lot like Man of Steel. That was a yeah. problem with Man of Steel. I think they tried to go goofy with um, Green Lantern, and that didn't help at all. They almost went too far, and, and that's where it was really interesting, if I can go into another summer movie that I'd recommend, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. That one is much goofier, and it's able to laugh at itself. It, it almost borders on camp at times. All right. Than, than other superhero movies. And when you first heard about it, when I first heard about it, I went, I've never heard of these guys. There's a giant tree. There's a <laughs> talking squirrel. Raccoon, right, actually. Right. But I thought it was a squirrel the first time I saw him. Really? And his some, name is Rocket Raccoon. I didn't know what his name was. I just saw this photo. And then this guy, I thought he was a, a robot. I didn't realize that the mask comes off and it's... Well, when you're talking about um, rodents and, and the... In the but, but comic universe, it really doesn't matter if it's a one of your characters or, is a giant tree who only yeah, says "I am Groot," but but he ends spoiler. up spoiler. You just spoiled like no, that's a well known fact about him. Yeah, for people that that watch uh, DC comic book movies and think that they're the only one that did the only person out there, I don't think that that's going to ruin your enjoyment of Groot. You don't really? No, no. All right. I'm not going to mention any of the other stuff. (laughs) Oh, I will tell you. Well, there's a ton of merchandise coming out around the group character that I think gives away a really great moment in the film. Okay. Yeah. That's And I don't like that because I had no idea. Now, given that, though, however, I won't say that you've spoiled any plot. However... The, the the device that they're releasing, the, the, the toys or whatever, the, the stuff, the marketing stuff, that wouldn't spoil anything either. You would connect it after you've watched the movie. It wouldn't spoil the movie. Yeah. Like your quote yeah. did. <laughs> Way to go, man. I, I don't think I... Talk about your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, the movie just, it's a lot of goofiness. Uh, the other thing I was going to ask you is, does it feel like a superhero movie to you? No. To me, it felt like Indiana Jones. I liked it in Star Wars. I read it like Star Wars. I've heard a lot of people say that, but to me, that opening scene, which is great at developing the character of Peter uh, Quill, Chris Pratt's character, right. or Star-Lord, right. where he's out there, right. he's trying to recover this artifact, he's going through this yeah, yeah. alien world. Everything to me, like that it. felt like Indiana Raiders Man. of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I even... I might have even said something like that at the time. And it's all, we've got to get this object. It doesn't even matter when you get it or how long you have it because it's going to get stolen back. It it just felt like Indiana Jones. It felt like this adventure. And this all happens in the first seven minutes of the movie. In the first three minutes of the movie, he pulls out a device that is a unique sound. It's a unique uh, visual effect that they use when he goes on this, I guess, Star-Lord lands on this planet he pulls out of the device and he uses it to help him navigate to the whatever orb or whatever it is he's trying to find. They never go back and try to explain that, and I really, really appreciated that. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that there's stuff that exists in this world that they don't feel they have to explain either through dialogue or through, like, 
there's there's a whole lot of stuff in this movie. Uh, well, can that, we mention one of his weapons that they never take the time to explain, but they do such a great job of visually? Why not? It's game on for spoilers. It's used in the first five minutes. What are you talking about? His gravity gr- grenade. All right. Everyone understands yeah. right away that he throws it out yeah, there, this little force say. field goes, sucks all the guys in. You understand that this is creating gravity and they're sticking yes. there. They don't explain it. Right, they don't, and they don't feel like they have to. But they do such a great job of showing it and visually representing it that we understand what's going on. That being said, there is a whole lot of description in the dialogue. There okay. is a lot of dialogue exposition, which is a pet peeve of mine. But, but they also do a great job of getting the characters out in front of you very quickly. Yeah, and, they, and just and throwing you in there. We didn't get a whole lot of backstory for Rocket Raccoon or Groot. You know, yeah, and you don't necessarily have to. The, you begin, the, as the movie unfolds, you begin to realize the power of their mm-hmm. relationship and why it's an essential part of both of them together. Why the two of them together have or operate as a team or operate in yeah. such a way so that it becomes... And I guess the, that extends outward by the end of the film to all the f- other members of the Guardian ship. There's just, yeah, there's wonderful speed. You always feel like there's something else these guys have to do. They're moving on. Yeah, it's and the really movie smart. doesn't really develop the villains well at all. I think the villains yeah, were the least a, threatening ever, especially this big guy that's apparently, you feel like they're building towards yeah, something it's all bigger. And ridiculous. Thanos and, just seems stupid to me. Yeah, I don't know why they have to have a villain on top of a villain motivating another villain to do villain And all things. he does is sit in a chair. <laughs> no, he's he's handicapped. I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but he's a villain, so I also have to despise him. You feel bad for him. He's this, he chooses to sit in the chair. His chin is twice as big as the rest of his head. He just sits so, in this chair this, and zooms around so, on this rock in the middle of space. I'm going, why am I afraid of this guy? What has he done? I haven't seen him do anything. Right. They had. They didn't sell you on that. You, not why are you afraid? Why should I be afraid? Because I don't think that you were scared. Were you scared but, of him? But I'm going to crush you. I'm the world right. destroyer. You're in a wheelchair. Granted, <laughs> it's a really cool space wheelchair. It's not a wheel. <laughs> I think it's a wheel. Well, it doesn't have wheels. Wouldn't you have to have wheels in order to be a wheelchair? It's a space I'm just chair. Just it's a space chair. <laughs> if I could have a space chair, I'd love it. Oh, I... <laughs> so we think... Oh, all right. Well, all right. <laughs> Nice one, Bull. You, you actually worked two movies in with your second movie, but I, I like that. This is a tiny segue. I, the Lynn Care people, <laughs> the Lynn Care people who uh, who dropped off Granny's bed <laughs> have been coming to the house to get the bed. I think you told I told you about it. So anyway, to, to catch the listeners up, Granny's been sick. She had a couple of strokes. Whatever. She's semi better. <laughs> I mean, yada, yada, yada. She's actually walking around with her walker a lot now because she doesn't, like, she doesn't like pushing it around. She doesn't like having to lug it because she's so lazy. But uh, I, she said, why are those people still calling? Why are they show? They just show up at the house at random times and then they call. They don't call and leave a message. They call, but they don't leave a message. And then they show up. Of course, nobody answers the door when there's six dogs, or three, it seems like six, three dogs running at the door barking and carrying on, 
Plus, Tony's not going to answer. I mean, she just doesn't answer the door. We're very uh, withdrawn. (laughs) Granny says, why are they doing this? Why do they keep bothering us? Why are they calling us? Why are they coming? I said, well, they're coming to get your bed because you don't need it anymore. And um, Tony says, well, what else? They're coming for something else, too. Aren't they? I was like, uh, yeah, I think they're coming for the wheelchair. Grace says, wheelchair? (laughs) Where's a wheelchair? Uh, Well, Grady, we put it in the back room. Why? (laughs) Because you'd never walk. If you knew there was a wheelchair, you would be constantly using it. I said, you wouldn't get out of your room unless someone wheeled you out of there. She was like, no, I get out of my room now. I said, yeah, because you don't have the wheelchair. So now the cat's out of the bed. The wheelchair's out of the box. Well, having a wheelchair doesn't stop you. Look at what Thanos has accomplished. Apparently she can become a intergalactic space villain with her wheelchair. And then you'll be I guarantee scared. you, when I see the next Avengers movie and the guy gets out of his chair and starts walking around, I'm going to be the guy going, he can walk? I didn't even notice that. It was so... He can walk? But that's the thing. The, 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 they, they did drop the ball on the, um, the villains... And it was so banal, and, and then they get over the top, melodramatic at the end. But everything else about the movie sold it. So I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, not my favorite uh, superhero movie by that director, James Gunn, though. I prefer Super. Oh, Ray yeah, Wilson. A lot of people, I, I like that movie, too, but I've heard a lot of people talking about it over the summer with respect to Guardians of the Galaxy, and mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't get that. I mean, it's the anti-superhero movie. Right. Did you ever see that movie Boy Wonder? Boy Wonder. I haven't seen that one yet. It's one twenty-one. All right, I'd make that. It's 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 pretty good. It's actually, but it probably seems more like a TV show uh, than a like. It could work as a like a. Is it an anti-superhero movie? Nah, I'll just let it. There's another one, Wonder Boy. Add it to your list. I think you've already got it somewhere, right? Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's at least on my uh, Netflix. Um. So, uh, it was a sci-fi movie more, and that's what sold it, and I didn't have to look at it as a superhero movie, but, um, yeah, good one. Which brings me to number two. I'm sure you'll agree this is probably one of the best movies. Of the summer? Yeah. Sure. This is the best movie I saw in the month of July. How to Train Your Dragon Part 2. Yeah, directed by Dean DeBlow, DeBlois, DeBlois, I don't know. Did he do the first one? Yeah, he did the first one, and he's done a few other little things, uh, like Milo and Stitch, or Milo and Stitch, I don't know. Little things. Is that a big movie? Yeah, Milo and Stitch. Is it Milo? Lilo? Milo? Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch? Yeah. Is that a big movie? Yeah, that was really big when it came out. Oh, all right. Apparently it did better than... How to Train Your Dragon Part 2 didn't do very well in the box office. Really? Yeah. It was just, again, like Edge of Tomorrow. For I mean, How to Train Your Dragon did well. Mm-hmm. How to Train Your Dragon Part 2 did not. And it's probably 96, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes in terms of people recommending it. The thing I like about it is, well, it, it's ostensibly a story about Vikings and dragons living together. In peace and harmony. Uh, as you can he- see in the title, I'm sure, 
the things that are good about it, uh, the voice acting is good. Jay Baruchel plays the main character, Hiccup Horrendous Haddock the Third. Oh, that's a mouthful. And uh, Gerard Butler is his is his father, Stoic, Stoic the Vast. He's a big guy. <laughs> it's great names. I like. This that. reminds me of um, uh, Great Expectations. Charles Dickens. The whole use of the names. He's got great names, Charles Dickens. Yeah, man, he's known for this. Havisham. Uh, Pip. The Artful Dodger. You just think <laughs> about one book. Uh, insert names here. <laughs> All right, so uh, Gerard Butler. Pop quiz on literature. <laughs> yeah, on the Literature and Film podcast. <laughs> Gerard Butler is Stoic the Vast. Kate Blanchett plays, his, uh, plays another character, Valka. The things that I like about it are the, its willingness to take risks that you wouldn't expect. And then you might have some pushback against it because it's a cartoon. And, um, I mean, people that wouldn't go see this movie would be thinking that, oh, okay, yeah, blah, 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 playing around with dragons and Vikings and blah, blah, blah. That's why I didn't see it for a while. I never saw How to Train Your Dragon until I saw... How to Train Your Dragon Part 2 this summer. Then I went back and watched How to Train Your Dragon. Or maybe it was around the same time. I might have seen How to Train Your Dragon first. Uh, I, I have to change my whole story here. I think I did see half of How to Train Your Dragon. How to, how to Train Your Dragon. How to Change Your Dragon. How to Change Your Dragon. How to Change Your Dragon. How to Chain Him. <laughs> I saw half of How to Train Your Dragon on television mm-hmm. and then that inspired me to watch part two and the voice acting is really good and they don't they don't trivialize the dragon characters like the dragons don't talk I really mm-hmm. like that so they're not just there to be comic foils then, and no the comedy comes out of the inner relationships that the different characters have with each other and it it takes a lot of interesting risks that you wouldn't expect in animated film from Dream DreamWorks. I guess this is a yeah, DreamWorks movie. Right. Uh, the dragons themselves have well, they're different types of dragons. There's this whole you know um, schematic that you can find online about the different types of dragons and who they are and where they are and what what type. Yeah, there's like. A, uh, Bloom's taxonomy, or what is that? So not all of them are flying, fire-breathing No, well, dragons. I think they all are, fi- are uh, flying, but I don't think any of them, not all of them are fire-breathing. They have, But they have different names, like Skull Cutter and... wonder what that guy can do. <laughs> Cloud Jumper. There's, and, and it reminds me of, um, like, Canto 21 in The, in the Inferno. There's these crazy uh, um, demons that fly around. Like one one of the guys' name is is Malcota, which just means bad tail. And he's got this like enormous tail. There's like crazy red and scuttle jump. And just the idea that they're sitting around making up these names. Just I, I kind of like the the creative uh, input. I like that. That's deep. Because I was thinking, oh, it's like the different color Yoshis you can play as. (laughs) If you get the red one, it doesn't matter what color the shell is, he breathes fireballs. And the blue one can fly. 
No, no, no these are all. If you're going Dante's Inferno. <laughs> I'm going Super Mario Bros. I have no idea what you're talking about, but oh, Yoshi's. Yeah, no. Super Mario Brothers, still. Okay. Super Nintendo. Oh, it. man. Um, You've got homework this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, this, yeah, I would recommend How to Train Your Dragon Part 2. Cool. Well, I've been kind of talking about... Best movie Sorry. Okay. Uh, pop culture movies, mass appeal. Uh, so I finished off the summer watching uh, Calvary, mm-hmm. which is an Irish film directed by John Michael McDonough, who only has one other movie that he's directed, The Guard. Uh, both movies star Brendan Gleeson, who's one of these character actors that you see in everything he's actually in, Edge of Tomorrow, he's the general... Uh, he's in Harry Potter movies. He plays Mad-Eye Moody. Um, oh, he could also be in uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2 with that kind of name. He might have been. I mean, he, the guy's been in Let's everything. talk about the name. Oh, the name. But he does a lot of voice acting. Yeah. Uh, Mendeleev and Troy, Walter Monk McGinn and Gaines of New York. Yeah, awesome character. And Calvary is just, it's a great movie because it sets up its premise in the first, what, three minutes, four minutes? Yeah. The first opening scene... scene Priest is in confession, guy comes in, um, explains that he's got a problem with a former priest. He's got a problem with the church itself. He's seeking vengeance. He's going to kill a good priest. He's going to kill this priest in one week's time. Right. And so the rest of the movie is just the countdown. And this priest going around dealing with his flock, his congregation, in this small Irish town. I really, really enjoyed it and the more I think about the movie the more I enjoy it and I think it's because the story the the basic premise is much like a Quentin Tarantino movie take a character and put them in a horrible situation and watch them fight their way out and or not not so much fight but deal with the situation actively and you learn so much about the character from the way they handle the situation and I feel as you reflect on the movie, you you always think, well, what would I do? How would I act? If and I it makes you, yeah, if, you know, could I act this way? Why can't I? Why could I? Yeah, it's um, all about decisions and choices. Yeah, you really start questioning your morality, your values, what you're made up of. And while I don't agree with everything a character does in this movie or in a Tarantino movie, I think it's interesting to think about why do they act the way they do. Did you enjoy it as a as a mis- as a mystery genre or I never thought of the movie as a mystery. Really? You weren't so you, you had a you felt you had a pretty good handle on who it was the whole time? Didn't care. I really huh. did. I didn't care as I was watching. But it. you can read it on both levels. You you yeah. don't have to just consider the abstract uh, concepts. You can also be thinking of it as a mystery film, like a yeah, yeah. murder mystery that happened the murder hadn't happened yet. That, that was pretty intriguing part of it, I thought. Oh, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I mean, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing how the story unfolds. But just every little scene I enjoyed and watching him deal with these people. Great acting in it. And, and in generally, he would see a character two or three times. Right. And, it, and every scene was different. I don't feel that there were scenes I would cut out of this movie. There didn't feel like much waste. Did you think that the, the character played by Littlefinger from Game of Thrones... I can't remember the character's name, but he sort of represents rational, um, scientific thought. 
as, yeah. the, as the doctor. Did you think he was over the top? Do you think that, or conversely, I guess that's a loaded question because my answer to that would probably be yes. But do you think that there were any characters who, because you couldn't accept them as being real, seemed the lesser or um, you couldn't enjoy it as much? I don't know if I had that problem or not. I, I just, I, he, if there's anyone that acted as a uh, too much of a stereotype or, or was too smarmy for whatever reason. I, I think that's an interesting idea um, because this movie is trying to be realistic at times. I never had a problem when the characters came off a little over the top because I always felt like they were putting up a front when they had to deal with this priest. And for various reasons, they didn't want him to see who they truly were. So I think they were... But do you ever see who they truly are when they're not in front of the priest? I think that there are hints, and in even... It's a lot of indirect characterization. Wow, I don't Why see do they go after the priest and try and egg him on at times? Especially well, are, the Littlefinger character. Right. There, there's a scene in a bar where he is trying to get the guy's goat. Right. And when he finally gets it, he goes into this karate pose. Right. He clearly doesn't want to fight the guy. And it's so over the top. I'm like, what? What are you trying to accomplish? I think he's just trying to get the priest's goat. In the fact that he wants to get it, he keeps going. In the way he goes after it. He also wants to get that out there, the thing that he says, the thing that yeah. he's talking about. It's just sometimes people feel they have to say something. They feel compelled mm-hmm. to give their opinion on things. And that's when they start having podcasts. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's... Why did you decide to do this? Why did you decide to say this? Why did you decide to have this conversation? I think tells a lot about the character. Did you think that the the secondary and tertiary characters outside of the priest were balanced in terms of their representation? Or was it all too anti-religion to too many characters who had too much of a beef with um, the priest in order to uh, I mean was it too heavy handed in that sense ooh I hadn't thought of that probably I mean and now that you say that I'm thinking wow there had to be more people in the town that liked this guy or else I think how's he been like I think they all respected him yes Individually, I don't think they respected what he represented. Well, and I also don't think they liked that he is such a, just a good man. Yeah, and in contrast to themselves. Yes. He, he holds up the mirror of truth. Yeah. And they don't like that. But you, you, I would almost love to see a prequel to this, him just dealing with these people and when he first came to the town. Yeah, and that's another thing I like about the movie is you don't really find out he has a daughter. Mm-hmm. You find that out early. You know, like, how does a priest have a daughter? It's not really explained how his wife, what happened with his wife. Well, and that's I mean, one of the, he's a widower, but... That's one of the things I like. I, I went and saw The Guard right after I saw this. I went and grabbed that. And in that movie, he plays a police officer, again, Saturn Ireland, and it's part of this trilogy of movies that John Michael McDonough is doing with Brian Gleeson. Brendan. Brendan Gleeson, sorry. Brian is his younger brother. Brother. 
I think his son, uh, Gleason's son, is in this too. One of his, yeah. yeah. He's got a couple sons who are actors. Um, but that police officer character he plays in the guard, you you'd like to think to yourself, that's who he was before he became the priest. Even though they're wildly oh, different characters, right. you could understand that this guy has a major change in his life. There's no way that they're the same character. Right, I'm not trying to say that, no, but. Yeah, yeah. In your mind, well, you want to believe this is the same... Oh, it's like a Cloud Atlas character. Well, with this... Okay, I see what you're saying. But with this movie in particular, you, you're dealing with abstractions. You're not <laughs> really dealing with reality. So, I, I haven't seen The Guard, but I assume that there's some of those allegorical concepts. I, I don't know. But I plan on seeing it soon, because I think I can get it on DirecTV or... It's, it might be on Netflix or something like it's that. It's, it's it's an old movie. It, so. Yeah, but Calvary, and it's funny at times, but it's just real quick. Pretty dark humor, though. Pretty dark. Uh, one of the lines I loved was, uh, I think she's bipolar or lactose intolerant. <laughs> one of the two. Yeah. It comes, <laughs> it comes out in that Irish brogue, though, and it comes out pretty quickly, and it's hard to, it's hard to grasp all of the humor. Also, if you don't know that British oh, yeah. sort of... Well, I There's think that's one of the reasons why I went right into the guard, because I was ready for all of that yeah. hard Irish accent. I was talking to my AP class about that that conversation that he has with the with the doctor character. Mm. And uh, because it applies to something in Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, and um, all they wanted to know is whether or not uh, he gets shot. I'm like, I don't know what I can tell you. So, I'm not going to tell you, but another good pick there, Mr. Two Frames. Is that uh, your third and last, or fourth yeah, and last? That's my fourth and last. four in there? Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, well, I only have one more, good. and it actually is tonally a lot like uh, uh, Calvary. Ooh. And it's a Australian film, we so it's another foreign movie. Yeah, we're, we're all over the place. Vikings. Irish space. priests, space. We're Future. we're splanning the universe, man. Splanning, splanning to do, uh, and going back into the past. Wow, we're all over the place. I wonder if anyone will see these movies. If I had to, uh, I'm gonna get back to that question in a minute. This is the best movie I saw in August, and I saw it recently. Um, the Rover, Australian film. It's really an American western. Set in Australia, ten years after the collapse, whatever it is that brings on the collapse is not really spelled out in the movie, and it's this sort of dystopian future. Mm-hmm. Um, you can imagine like Roadrunner esque or Roadrunner, not Roadrunner. Who am Mad I thinking? Max. Mad Max. What? <laughs> what is that? It's not the Roadrunner. Who is Road that? Warrior. The Road <laughs> the road runner. His car ran out of gas. Uh, there's people that run off cliffs and hang there for a minute before they fall. <laughs> road warrior, road warrior mentality, road warrior concepts going on in this, and and I guess Australia is just the place to do that kind of thing. Pull it off. I'm looking forward to uh, Mad Max. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well. Ooh, we, we, let's save that one. Yeah, I want, right, yeah, right, we right, can right. talk about that. All right. Um, so this stars Guy yeah. Pierce as uh, Eric, and I don't know if they give him a last name. Um, and Robert Pattison. 
stars as uh, Ray, who's an American in Australia. Uh, they come to work in the mines. As, he comes there with his brother, played by Scoot McNary, whom most of you would know from the movie Killing Them Softly, which is one of my favorite movies of the last year that nobody else saw or liked. I still need to get to that one. <sighs> I, I, I know. I feel bad. What the crap? You watched 180 movies last year. 117 so far. None of the ones that I've recommended. I'm going to have to assign you a movie. I think we might have to do that. We, yeah, we might. We do that on Film Vault. I'm not. I'm stealing the idea, but I, I kind of like the idea of <laughs> forcing someone to watch a movie. The problem is I have a list of 25 movies that I have copies of. I have DVDs right. of them. I could watch these at any time. Right. Or I can either stream or whatever. All of them I desperately want to see. Right. I never go to this list, you know, at night. I'll go, right. What do I want to watch? <laughs> and I'll find something else. I never go to this list. What do go, you watch instead? Another movie? A different movie? Uh, why China is that, Moon, why is that Battleship, secretly? The Raven are all things I watched. <sighs> UHF. Oh, my God. <laughs> Killing <laughs> Season, Riddick. Mortal Kombat, Annihilation, we're all things I've watched. All right, stop. I want to talk about The Rover. Yeah. <laughs> that's so I have watched some other... I have gotten a couple movies off the list, but that's another show. This is written and directed by David Michaud, uh, who did Animal Kingdom. I never saw that. I heard it was good. I heard good things about that. I want to see it. He co-wrote the movie Hesher, which is one of my favorite films from two years ago. I did enjoy it. I saw that. Oh, is that on your list? You saw it this summer? I saw that last year. Oh, well, you can try to figure it out. That's a good movie, huh? Yeah, yeah, no, I I enjoyed Hesher more than I thought. It just looked so weird and strange, but it hooks you very quickly, and you're willing to go on that journey. If you're willing to follow those characters for whatever reason, because of, I don't know, maybe there's a surprise or something Mm -hmm. in the end, you, you can really get pulled into the movie. Now, the rover... Because of my situation at home, dealing with the stroke victim and all the other stuff, it took me a long time to watch. <laughs> because I would watch, and it's slow. It's I, I only recommend this. Uh, I, I have to be tempered in my recommendation because I know it's not for everybody. And I know a lot of people have a really negative reaction to it because it's so slow. But there's these random acts of violence that happen that highlight the themes that and and they and and then the acting combines with those things that you're like wow that's pretty awesome so in fact it was so good the first time i watched the hour Mm -hmm. or the first hour a half hour or whatever i think it's only 90 minutes long the first half hour i watched all the way through and then i fell asleep i went back and started again from the beginning Mm -hmm. and watched it all the way through now you're saying it's slow (laughs) <laughs> no, no, wait. You're saying it's slow. You're also saying it's like a Western. Right. And to me, a lot of Westerns are very slow, but I like that because... It's Appaloosa. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's Appaloosa slow. Because yeah. a lot of Westerns are slow, but they're building up that tension. You realize these are men who have guns on their hips and can die at any moment, mm-hmm. but have to remain calm because as soon as they lose their cool, they're going to be shot dead. Mm-hmm. And I love that tension. That's one of the reasons why I can watch Westerns, even though they're really slow. I really think you'll like this. I okay. really do. I, I'd be surprised if you didn't, but... Mm, I liked and, Appaloosa a lot. Yeah, you like Appaloosa. This has elements of the Odyssey in it, uh, which I think you like. There's a good payoff at the end of the movie because it's tight. Um, 
you understand the the ideas of decision making and then and the acting is so good that you it's so believable even though these like weird wild you know crazy things happen there's a little bit of melodrama again but i guess you can't really get away from that if you're going to try to tell a story that that you know mm-hmm. you're trying to appeal to someone's emotions and they do that so well i mean it has guy it has pierce and guy he pierce is awesome is one of the most underrated actors in the last 30 years this at the end of that guy's career, you're going to look back and you're going to name easily half a dozen amazing movies that he was in and he was the focal point in. Memento. Memento, L.A. Confidential. Um, easily. And another guy, Pierce, movie, The Prestige. I see that more as a... Isn't it? Yeah, this guy, Pierce. Looking all confused. It's not Guy Pierce? Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. Okay, well, then not the prestige. <laughs> huh, he was in another movie, though. The time so maybe machine. not half a dozen, maybe half a half a dozen. Not the time machine. Don't pull that <laughs> out. That's ridiculous. What the crap is a movie Lock like out. the prestige? All right. I agree with you, although I can't name three movies that he's been in. I do think that this is going to be one of his top three or four movies when you look back over his career because he is... What ravenous? I that, haven't seen that. We need I think to it's do the same. We need to do the. We each make each other watch a movie that we would never watch on our own. So you, well, I, I would give you ravenous. I don't know what movie I would give you. You'd be I killing think. yourself. I already gave you. Yeah, but I think you'd like killing yourself. I think you'll like ravenous. All right, I'll watch it. Hidden gem. Um, you can tell the effort that, the, that this director put into making this thing exceptional. And he says he had 21 days to shoot. Wow. And he, all they thought about was how to develop these characters. And he only had Guy Pierce for, I think, seven days. So a lot of the time, he said, he brought Robert Pattinson in to Australia from the United States. And, like, he, has, he hasn't got the best reputation as an actor. He's great in this movie. He says that they just had long conversations about what this character's motivations were, the Ray character. Uh, and they spent a long time just trying to figure out what he would wear and how he would... He didn't affect the... He was an American. He didn't have an Australian accent. So there, there's that sort of interesting interplay between the, the two cultures, I guess. And th- that's a decision. They, he didn't have to be American. It could have been anything. There's a lot of cool stuff visually... Um, there's a lot of stuff that I think you'll really appreciate about the movie. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't go near the top of your list. It's okay. at the top of mine. I, I'm, I will make sure to watch it before the year's out because I'm before really looking is, to do. The it's top. August. It's actually okay. September, but I'm looking forward to doing the top ten list this year. All right. Because last year we did it, I felt like ah, I haven't seen enough stuff. This year, I've made a concerted effort. I'm surprised at the amount of movies I've seen this year that are good. I think I already mentioned that. And then, at some point, I've got to look at your list and get you know make sure I watch some of the ones that you have highly ranked. Don't you think it's better if you find them on your own? (laughs) 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 All right. Um, Well, see the rover. It's, It's in my top. It's my top movie of August. 
It's good. It's strong. All right. Any honorable mentions? You know, I was so, of course, I, I couldn't figure out how to put together the list because the movies I saw weren't really summer movies. Mm-hmm. So the two movies that are also ranked high, eights and nines, came out in May and, and April. And I don't think we've talked about them on the podcast, but I really like the movie Blue Ruin, which is an independent movie. Enjoyed that a lot as well. And uh, it does a lot, it has a lot of similarities with the rover in terms of combining the visual aspect of filmmaking with the thematic concepts behind it. And there's usually a payoff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Joe, a movie with... Um, Nicholas Cage. Ghost Rider. Nicholas yeah, is Ghost Rider considered a DC uh, superhero movie? I know it's, it's DC. No, it's Marvel. Ghost Rider is? Yeah, Ghost Rider I, Apparently Marvel. I don't know that, but... I mean, Jonah Hex is DC. Jonah Hex is DC, yes. But Ghost Rider is Marvel. Is Marvel. You sure? Pretty sure, because I had right. a Marvel video game to play as Ghost Rider. All right, fair enough. Um, you can play Superman. Yeah, wouldn't he's want. DC. Uh, and then the only other thing I would say is probably the best movie I saw this year was a TV show, which is like the left. It's called The Leftovers on HBO. And it's like a ten-hour movie. I've started working on it, but each of the each of the episodes exists as its own thing, so it does work as a TV show too. But there's a lot of cinematography and things, connections, things that you see in the first scene or the second scene, or things that are going to pay off in the third or fourth scene. And and I just like that idea. It doesn't have to be pat, mm-hmm. and none of the answers necessarily have to be there. But there has to be enough that you can read into it. Calvary was the same way. There's there's enough there that you can that you're that you're compelled to watch it carefully and and read the film. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to going through all of the leftovers. Doing that. Oh um, man, the the finale was. Is it one of those when I get there, I'm going to be mad that I have to wait a year to no. see where this is going? Uh-uh. Not really. Just some of those shows. Um, I watched. Uh, the first two seasons of Hannibal, yeah, which is all of the Silence of the Lambs story, right? And I previously read the books and I've seen all the movies. I really like what they do because it pays off if you have read all of the books and movies. You you can enjoy it because they they know that they know what your expectations are for certain characters because all of this is happening way before the books and the movies. So you're expecting, well, that character's got to live because they're in the third book, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it appears that they die. No character's really dead until you see them in a coffin on that show. Gotcha. But it it, it, it pays off to be a fan. This, the acting's been really, really good. But acting, now I'm mad that I have to wait, and I've read the plans for the next like three or four seasons of the show. Then you make yourself mad. Yeah, well, it's a show in uh, Mr. Lasky. He's told us he doesn't like to start a show that's not already finished because he wants to be able to watch all of the episodes. Okay, like that's his current viewing. Plan. Yeah, that's his current viewing criteria, and I can understand that. But he means for the season or for all of eternity. Like he won't. He's not going to start. He's not going to start. I think watching. we were trying to get him on the leftovers, and he said he didn't. No, want to. no, he loves the leftovers. We just talked about. Oh, okay. It. And he just sent me an email. 
So I know he just started watching Breaking Bad because that's over. Well, that may be why. Um, in one of the movies I was just going to recommend, as an honorable mention, Godzilla. I think. Oh. I think Godzilla. Oh. Is going to be better in hindsight. No. When no, when there's a sequel to it, because that's going to suck even worse. No. Here's. I, I listened to a podcast and they talked about Godzilla, and one of the mm. things they said that they liked about it was that the director held back on showing you Godzilla. Big deal. That's Steven Spielberg Jaws. That's uh, that's no that's Jurassic Park. That's 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 not a new convention in filmmaking. But go ahead. No, but that they they made the character vulnerable. It also, he was saving willing... a whole bunch of money in terms of special effects. But all right, go yeah. ahead. all right, go ahead. But it also, who was vulnerable? Godzilla at times. You, you you felt like maybe he can't get the job done, but also it's the first movie, and hopefully, what's going to be a lot of Godzilla movies. Don't blow your load all at once. Don't spend all your money. You give know, me, leave, leave something for the next movie. Where can you go from no, here? Give me twelve dollars worth of entertainment. Don't give me four and a half dollars. I think they needed another fight scene in the movie. I, I understand those decisions. I also like that it's more artistic, and I've seen the director's previous film, Monsters, which is another one with big giant monsters, and, and they hold back on showing you. They don't. I think Scoot McNary's in that. Could be. Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, I think he's in that movie too. But you know, it's a big movie, but it's not all about eye candy. What? And huge I, special I effects. It doesn't have to. If you're a movie, it, all right. Obviously, I don't really care much about special effects. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter to me. However, if your movie is Godzilla, then I don't need a whole bunch of existential angst and a bunch of random stories that go nowhere. He meets this uh, he meets this Japanese character on a train, saves him from death, and then you never see the guy again. It's, it's ridiculous. My the, problems the whole- are in the smaller moments of the script. The monster has the ability to knock out all the power. This and at one point they say it's a 200-mile radius, and then at times in the movie it's like a 10-foot radius. Right. And it's very inconsistent. Look, the movie goes That's what I dislike right. more. I like the larger goals that the movie has set for itself and that the director tried to achieve. Right, but you, you could have watched the, the two-and-a-half-minute trailer of it. And you would have had the same impact as the two and a half. But hour if you movie. could watch that, and then there's another movie and another in the series, I think you're willing. Like to me, when I watched Batman Begins, and I know how much you love that movie, top three, I, I was somewhat underwhelmed. But what I was excited about was, wow, they've set up a lot of stuff for the next film. Huh. They have built a world. Right. They've got the audience ready, right. and the Dark Knight knocked it out of the park. Four years later. And then The Dark Knight Rises tore down the edifice, <laughs> swung at the uh, the cornerstone with a pickaxe. Yeah. It, 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 it tried to... Tarnish the star. That and Man of Steel makes makes me wary about Nolan a little bit, although he's my top... I would have to say... He's I agree with you about... Uh, Dark Knight Rises. I liked Man of Steel a lot more than you did. Yeah, I liked Dark Knight Rises more than you did, but I can just compare the Dark Knight and Batman Begins. It's not the same movie. And I would say I like Man of Steel more than Dark Knight Rises. 
No. And again, I think my problems with Man of Steel are smaller issues. You would say that, and I would say no to your face. And bah. You say we don't disagree. We don't disagree enough. Godzilla's horrible. No. Aaron Johnson Taylor? Jason Tabb? Who who is that guy? He's ridiculous. Aaron Taylor. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Wasn't the worst film I saw with him this summer. Anna Karenina. That doesn't... Was the worst that, <laughs> that doesn't make Godzilla good by default. All right, I will say it's an honorable mention. Wow, dishonorable. And over other stuff we saw this summer, and then the other movie undermines any kind of credibility that you have. The other movie is Play of the Eight Four Two. No, Twenty Two Jump Street. I enjoyed that, and I know you mm. walked out of that one. I did. I went and saw Chef, and that would have made one, that's one of my honorable mentions. Yeah, because that, that's a Chef's ascent in there. So, I I I, I can't really comment. Twenty Two Jump Street, not great movie, but. If you just want to have an enjoyable evening, sure. That's one you can pop on. The, the thing that I hear consistently about that movie is the last is the is the closing credits are worth the price of admissions. And I'm like, man, why don't you just go see some other movie? That's probably the funniest part. part. But there are other That's funny parts. Sad, and I was like, no, th- there's a good payoff. All right, I'll. Give it a whirl and, when I, I mean, and there I are many, many jokes that are being told at the end. There's the a whole, there's a rapid fireness that I think gets the audience going. The whole bromance thing with uh, who's the who's the Jonah Hill fat guy du jour? What's his name? Hill? Yeah. How long before he ODs on some type of hideous drug? Ooh. <laughs> What's the over under on his career? I like him. Don't get me wrong. He was probably the best part of Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I thought you were going to say Superbad. Because I was thinking, oh, I liked him who Superbad. from Superbad is like, the first character? I liked him not, in The Sinner. Who's the first actor? <laughs> I have said <laughs> How can you throw The Sinner in you know, 22 Jump Street garbage? I didn't say 22 Jump Street was garbage. No, I walked out because I thought the <laughs> chef would be better. I, I bought a ticket to 22 Jump Street. And I said to myself... I have, I have four hours to kill here between whatever it was I was going to do. Before Granny's next stroke, I have four hours to kill. Chef didn't start until X30. And I said to myself, all right, I'm here early. I'm an hour early for this movie. Bought a ticket for 22 Jump Street. Wait. So I figured if this movie is good enough, I'll stay and watch it. And I won't go see Chef. You're officially a film snob. You realize Why? it. I left the movie because I went to go see some other movie. No, no. But I didn't say no, that I hated the, the narr- movie. I know. Here's the narrative I would put on it. Most people walk out of a movie because it's horrible. You walk out of a movie because it's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, because yeah, I it was good. Said, it wasn't good enough. I, I went to go see I, th- I didn't better walk offer. out of the movie and go home. I went to go see another movie at the same movie theater. Why'd you break up with a girl? She wasn't ugly. Oh, I know. She was pretty good looking. She wasn't good looking enough. <laughs> I don't think that is film really snobbery. I don't think. I don't think you're analogy. For the record, I've never watched a movie. You never broken up with a girl either. <laughs> they broke up with me. Uh, yeah, story of your life. It's over. <laughs> no. You're hugging her, hugging her knees, and no, she's walking out of the door, no. <laughs> trying to stand, come back. She she runs off and you still have her shoe in your hand until the movie comes back from commercial. Later. 
<laughs> That's right. Oh, I got uh, number 127 is on my list. You guys see how Bloodsport 7 ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. All right. Oh. Is that your last honorable mention? Yeah, yeah. Those All are, right. those are yeah. what I would throw out there. Good deal, man. It's a good show. I like it. Uh, looking forward to another season of the Laugh Podcast. Got any ideas for the next podcast? Anything to look forward to? Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff coming out this fall and winter. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. Um, I think this week, this, this weekend, I'm going to start reading week, week? Gone Girl. I've heard a lot of good okay. stuff about the novel, and I'm excited about that Dave right. Fincher movie. So, yep, I read. Depending on how Heist. that is, we may have to. That's you did? Oh, well, I read through that. No, I read. I, I left it and started <laughs> reading something else. It wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> No, it was horrible. I hated the book. Ooh. I hated the book, and I'm. But Paul Thomas Anderson's got me. So, and looking I forward to that. There's too. a lot of good stuff for us to talk about. We can talk about whether or not the listeners heard my stomach growling through this whole thing. Did you? At times. If you heard it, then it's definitely been picked up by this. How long do you think we talked today? Uh, an hour and eight minutes. Hour and twenty six minutes. Oof. Yeah, it's been a long one. It's been well. But we had a lot to get out today. Well, all right. It's been a great show. It's been a great show. This is the L train for Mr. Two Frames Bull over there. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, pox at Bonham, everybody. Boom. is been sponsored by Water Power Thirst. <laughs>